Hello and welcome to my fifth ever podcast, How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. And as per usual, we got two disclaimers for you. Disclaimer number one, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Inside, you're going to find absolutely zero actual, actionable financial advice. Once again, entertainment purposes only. Disclaimer number two, this podcast is extremely not safe for work. So consider yourself warned. All right. So first off, I want to congratulate everyone who passed uh, their respective CFA level this year. That's, that's me clapping under the desk. And in particular, I want to congratulate Biuku, uh, the user from the forum that really helped me the most uh, this last year. Um, every step of the way that I was studying for level two, he was there to provide guidance and feedback and moral support. And so I really appreciate it, Biuku. Uh, congratulations on your victory today and, uh, you know, to everyone else who, uh, who passed as well. And I, I do want to say just a quick word to our, uh, to our fallen brethren here. Um, you know, if you didn't pass, um, you know, and, and you know, you have a decision to make, are you going to continue on with the CFA program? If you are, I want you to know that, you know, we're, we're all here for you. And if you decide that you're not going to continue, then, you know, best of luck in, uh, in whatever you're doing. So uh, shout out to those hardworking folks as well. So, all right, let's get down to the questions. I posted a question thread in the CFA subreddit of Reddit, which I highly recommend if you're interested in the CFA program. And the first question comes from Perspective Analyst 95, who passed level one. Congratulations, Perspective Analyst 95. He asks, can you recommend any good self-projects to help practice one's financial knowledge? I still have a lot of time as a student ahead of me, but want to take some projects I could expect as a junior analyst at a bank so I can learn how to use what I've learned. Okay. I'm going to give you the correct answer, and then I'm going to give you my answer. So the correct answer is I've never been an analyst at a bank, junior or otherwise, so I would go find someone who is or has been, either on LinkedIn or through your local CFA society, I'd highly recommend. And you know, you can ask them, and they may be more qualified than I would be to answer that question. So that's the correct answer. Here's my answer. My answer is an analyst really does three things. They read, model, and research. So let's break that down. Number one, read. Looking at 10Ks, you're looking at uh, reading through um, you know, conference call transcripts. I prefer to take a bunch of the transcripts, put them all into a Word document, and then it's Control-F for topics that I care about. Like, oh, let's see what they had to say about depreciation over the last few years. Uh, the other thing I'd highly recommend reading is if there's any kind of analyst that you respect that has an opinion on the company, like perhaps they, they've owned the company or they're long or short the company. For example, I was looking at uh, Sears Holdings like a couple weeks ago. That's S-H-L-D. And a, the second high, the second biggest shareholder of that is Bruce Berkowitz, who is a very well-respected hedge fund manager. He was rated Morningstar's uh, number one hedge fund, pff, hedge fund, hedge fund manager of uh, the two thousands, and he's been a shareholder, yeah, shareholder of Sears since two thousand five. So I just went to his website, the website of his hedge fund, and just looked through the investor letters, and just kind of controlled that for Sears and Shield and stuff, SHLD, and. Uh, you know, just to kind of see what his bull case was. Like, why is he holding it? Why is he still believing it? And so that's the reading aspect of it. 10Ks, Tramfins calls, pff, tran, 
conference calls, transcripts, pardon me, and maybe analyst reports that you respect. Don't just read like any random bullshit, but like ones you respect. Uh, number two, modeling. This you open up uh, Excel and you build a you know typically a DCF, a discounted cash flow model. If you're unfamiliar with that process, uh, one second, I'm gonna have, I should have had the name up already. I'm just googling it right now. There's a book called The Five Rules for Successful Stock Investing by a man named Pat Dorsey, who you're going to hear me plug a lot in this podcast. And it has a, a section in there on DCFs. So just, if you're completely unfamiliar with what a DCF is, then I highly recommend renting that book from the library. It's like four bucks off Amazon, and that'll you know set you straight and get you started. And then uh, the third part is uh, writing. So you write your research report. That's basically what an analyst does. It can be one page. It can be... 20 pages, you know, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, just read, model, and write. And I think that would put you, that would give you good practice. And it would also help you, so when you're applying for jobs, you have some sort of, um, like, the, what's the word? Uh, collection of work that you can present. One second. All right, so thank you very much, Perspective Analyst. Let's see, what do we got next? So next, I actually got a question on my in my inbox from FCB Francis sixty seven. He says, "Hi, my name is Francis. I'm studying biomedical engineering. Congratulations! That sounds extremely complicated. All both those words are extremely complicated topics. At the University of Florida, I want to become a financial planning analyst. Okay, you know, hard left turn there, Francis." What degree should I get if I want to become a financial planning analyst, business, economics, or finance? Uh, he then goes on to say, a finance degree would mean more time at the university and more debt. I also prefer business economics more. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you kind of the same answer that I give to anyone when they ask me for career advice, which is go find people that have this job, like either on LinkedIn or through your local CFA society, and maybe ask them. Because I just did a quick search on, on Indeed.com, and which I recommend you do too. Go on Indeed.com, look up the jobs you're interested in, and see what they say in the job posting. The one I looked at, just the one, it mentioned finance or accounting or business. So I don't know if economics would be seen... I mean, it's kind of under that catch-all of business, right? I don't know how much of an advantage finance would be over economics. Um, you know, maybe you could actually call the companies that have posted the job listing and just say, like, hey, I'm currently unqualified for the position. I'm just a student, but it's a position I would like to have in the future. You know, which degree like, do you think would really matter? And I don't know. They, it, whenever you call up a place and say you're a student, I feel that gives you, like, a pretty long a pretty long rope. I feel like people would be pretty helpful because they know you're not trying to sell anything or looking for a job. You're just, you know, you're just a fucking student at that point. So, all right. Hopefully that is helpful, uh, Francis. Thank you very much for the question. And now we're going to skip to what's essentially our last question. And it comes from JB2082, a level two candidate. Congratulations for passing level one there, JB2082. And he asks, so you mentioned that you, quote, squeaked by on level two after 10 months or so of study. I'm about to embark on the level two process and would be interested to know what you would have done differently to turn that squeak into a comfortable pass. So thank you very much for asking this question, JB2082. I think it's extremely important 
So here it is. I have delineated the top six egregious errors, mistakes, if you will, that I made for level two, starting with the mother of all mistakes. I completely misunderestimated the difficulty of the exam. I think probably all level two candidates are guilty of this to a certain extent because the jump in difficulty is insane. It cannot be overestimated. People try to tell me, people from the forums, friends, tried to warn me. And, uh, you know, until you see it for yourself, which we'll get to how to kind of see it for yourself, you're not really going to believe it. But yeah, just, it's insane. The second big mistake I made is I structured my study sessions like an asshole. So for example, the first three months, I would uh, read during my lunch break, and I would tell myself, hey, as soon as I'm done reading this chapter, I can take a nap. Well, human nature being what it is, unfortunately, I would just kind of fly through the pages, not really comprehending what I was reading, just hoping to finish the fucking chapter so I could take that nap because I was exhausted after, you know, being at work most of the the time, most of the day. Um, So, yeah, my work ethic went to dog shit. Um, So I advise that you structure your your, uh, study sessions by the time, not necessarily the output. So instead of saying... I'm going to do X pages today, say I'm going to do X minutes today, today. and that should help, uh, you know, that should help in that arena. So, all right, uh, the third boneheaded dumbass mistake I made, and this is, this is probably the worst one, and this one's embarrassing. Um, I skipped the blue box and long form and a chapter questions. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really have an excuse for it. Um, I, st- I, I didn't even do most of them. Um, by the time I realized it was such a big mistake, I didn't have time to go back and redo all of, or, or to do all of them. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, this one's obvious. Just do all the questions that they give you in the fucking book. And uh, so let's go on to the fourth, fourth big mistake. Um, the topic tests. So you want to start those sooner than you would think because that's your big wake-up call that I alluded to before. That's where you really see how difficult uh, CF, the second level of CFA is going to be. So what I recommend is, you know, as soon as you finish, uh, you know, a section, as soon as you finish the economics section of the CFA material, go and do one of the economics topic tests. I don't know when they're available. I'm not quite sure when the CFA puts those up. I think it's like January. But in any case, just go do one just to show you like the level of comprehension that they expect out of you. Now, uh, the topic tests, They're probably a little bit more difficult than the exam, but I wouldn't want that to be my margin of safety going into it. So you definitely want to get to a point where you're comfortable doing those topic tests. So, all right. My fifth uh, costly mistake was I didn't have a formula sheet early enough. Um, And part of the problem is the CFA level two gives you so many fucking formulas. Like every page has three formulas on it. And it's hard to kind of whittle it down to a workable number. And by the time I was able to, it was kind of towards the end. It was like in the, you know, the doomsday clock was almost at 12 at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, the big thing I would recommend is like write them down and try to try to combine different formulas. So for example, you know, they might give you a formula that has dividends, another one that has coupons. This is in fixed income. And you're like, okay, well, these are the same. They're just giving different names to the variables. One's for equity, one's for fixed income. Or they might have the same formula 
but it's written like five different ways and algebraically they're all kind of the same. So that's another example of how you can whittle it down. So, all right. And the sixth just big, <laughs> this one's really embarrassing. The sixth really just big dumbass mistake I made is I checked my phone uh, before I went to sleep the night of the CFA. I had it all planned out. I had my, for the next day, for the test day, I had my breakfast, lunch, and dinner all cooked, all ready to go, my checklist. Everything was in nice little baggies. Um, I was going to start reading Game of Thrones at 8. I was going to go to bed at 9. I read Game of Thrones for an hour. It was wonderful. And then at 9 o'clock, I checked my phone. And this is yeah, this is stupid, but there's, there's this girl I liked. And I liked her, and she didn't like me, so I just forgot about her. But then here she was, like, out of the blue, sending me a what's up on a Friday night. So I get excited. I start dancing. I start singing. I'm going to spread the news that if it feels this good being used, then just keep on using me until you use me up. And needless to say, I was overly excited going into bed that night. And, uh, you know, I got three hours of sleep. I'm not blaming it just on that text. It was also, you know how it is when you can't sleep. It kind of steamrolls. and uh, So anyway, yeah, it was, it was bad. Yeah, as you can imagine, I was, you know, splashing water on my face and doing jumping jacks in front of the proctors trying to, like, wake the fuck up. And by, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I was just like, you know what? I'm done doing revisions. I don't trust myself anymore. So, yeah, those are my six super-duper stupid mistakes that I made for level two. Please don't make those same mistakes. Please come up with your own original mistakes. Now, please just don't do any unforced errors. It's hard enough as it is without doing such stupid-ass shit as not doing the blue box questions and only getting three hours of sleep uh, the night before. So, all right. Thank you very much for the question, JB2082. And let's see. I have one more comment from a Jeezley Locks. That's with three X's. That's keeping it classy there, Jeezley Locks. He's a level three candidate, so hopefully that means you passed level two. So congratulations in that regard. And here's his comment, referring to me. He says, he started prepping way too early. CFA exam is all about momentum. Start too soon or too late, and you won't have it. I started in February for level two, got everything over 70 except ethics. Oh, congratulations. I mean, you clearly kicked my ass. Um, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I never recommend that people start in February. Or sorry, pardon me. I never recommend that people start in August. That's just what I like to do. I like to, you know, do an hour a day, six days a week, you know, starting in August. Then in January, I ramp it up to like two hours a day, six days a week. And then like towards the end, it ramps up to like three or down the home stretch. It gets insane. But I could never do what some of you kids do. Like some of you kids, you guys just snort Adderall and do like eight hour days. You guys are fucking crazy. I could never do that. I would get burned out. So I like to space it out. But, you know, to each their own. So, all right. Thank you very much for the comment, Jeezley Locks. And hey, if you liked this episode, then please subscribe on iTunes. And next week, I'm either going to cover Builders First Source, that's B-L-D-R, or Ubiquity, that's U-B-N-T. And you'll have to, uh, you know, for the exciting conclusion, to see which one I cover, you'll have to tune in next week. So, all right. Thank you very much. This was your host, Dan Hansen, with the fifth episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Till next time. Oh, wait. I, wait. I just want to add one thing real quick. Uh, I just re-listened to it, and I, I don't want people to infer that um, I went on a booty call the night of the CFA exam. I did not do that. I didn't even respond to the text. So just I just wanted to clarify that. I didn't want anyone to insinuate anything happened when it did not. 
especially considering some people listening may actually know the person in question. So there you have it. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for real this time.